Hello, faithful listeners. This is Pastor John Cloward from Faith Lutheran Church here in Forest Lake, and we are so glad that you are listening online to our online podcast. Welcome you to worship anytime on Sundays at 9 a.m. or 10.30, and thanks for being here. Thanks for participating in worship with us as we look forward to the week ahead. A gospel reading from the 21st chapter of Luke. Jesus looked up and saw rich people putting their gifts into the treasury. He also saw a poor widow put in two small copper coins. He said, Truly I tell you, this poor widow has put in more than all of them. For all of them have contributed out of their abundance, but she, out of her poverty, has put in all she had to live on. While some were speaking about the temple, how it was adorned with beautiful stones and gifts dedicated to God, he said, As for these things that you see, the days will come when not one stone will be left upon another. All will be thrown down. They asked him, Teacher, when will this be, and what will be the sign that this is about to take place? And he said, Beware that you are not led astray. For many will come in my name and say, I am he, and the time is near. Do not go after them. When you hear of wars and insurrections, do not be terrified, for these things must take place first. But the end will not follow immediately. Then he said to them, Nation will rise against nation, and kingdom against kingdom. There will be great earthquakes, and in various places famines and plagues. And there will be dreadful portents and great signs from heaven. But before all of this occurs, they will arrest you and persecute you. They will hand you over to synagogues and prisons, and you will be brought before kings and governors because of my name. This will give you an opportunity to testify, so make up your minds not to prepare your defense in advance. For I will give you words and a wisdom that none of your opponents will be able to withstand or contradict. You will be betrayed even by parents and brothers, by relatives and friends, and they will put some of you to death. You will be hated by all because of my name, but not a hair of your head will perish. By your endurance, you will gain your souls. What do you notice? What do you wonder about? What jumps out at you? What doesn't make sense? When I lead a Bible study, really no matter what's written on the study guide, these are the questions I ask after doing the reading. Without fail, someone in the group notices something I completely missed or asked a question I never thought of before. We are each struck by different images or words. We bring different life experiences and insights with us when we open up the Bible. What's happening in our lives and in the world influences how we hear. This is part of what makes small group study of the Bible so valuable. We walk away with things we never would have come to on with just reading on our own. Well, this last week when I asked these questions, I got a response or two, but it took a little longer. There 
were some long silences, some awkward pauses. As we sat with those questions and this scripture reading, I mean, there's a lot in there, and it's, well, it's kind of dark. Knowing a tiny bit about the background is really helpful. You see, in this passage, Jesus is actually giving a sermon. He's teaching the disciples and his followers using a style that many of us are uncomfortable with. This is apocalyptic literature. Now, that's a tricky word to say, so today I'm going to teach you the Minnesota version of how to say it. You can say it with me. Ope, aka, lip, tick, apocalyptic. You got it. Apocalyptic. Excellent. Now, Ope, let me just sneak past you. No, there is nothing more Minnesota than that. So for, all, for a lot of us, this apocalyptic style is mysterious and difficult to understand. Like the book of Revelation or parts of Daniel. But I assure you, there is hope in this. We just tend to get distracted by all the lists of terrible things that will happen. Apocalyptic literature is meant to give us hope. It is meant to remind us to trust in God when it feels like the world is falling apart all around us. Its purpose is not to predict the future or to instill fear, but to reassure us of God's presence in the bleakest of circumstances. Theologian Dr. Gilberto Ries explains it to us this way. Apocalyptic literature uses unsettling language, yep, and imagery as a means to assure the faithful that they should keep their trust in God even when facing the most challenging of circumstances. Sure enough, while describing the terrible events, Jesus tells his listeners not to be afraid. Okay, so that's helpful, right? We can see what Jesus was doing and why he was saying all these things to his followers. Dr. Ruiz goes on to say there's nothing particularly original or specific about Jesus' predictions here. Every age has its own set of false prophets, wars, natural catastrophes, and so on. We will misread these verses if we think Jesus is describing a specific set of calamities. The point is that when bad things happen, and they will, we should not be terrified or follow anyone proclaiming these are signs of God's judgment and of the end. Instead, we should trust that God remains present in our lives. <laughs> okay, with that insight... I feel like this veil has been lifted from the mystery and obscurity of this story. It was like an elephant was in the room and no one knew how to address it or what to say because, gah. Reflecting more on this type of sermon Jesus was giving is, is really helpful for me. 
the wisdom from this theologian really helped me to step back and see and hear what else is going on in the scripture. So I hope the same is true for you. As I revisited those questions with fresh eyes and ears, what do you notice? What do you wonder about? What jumps out at you? What doesn't make sense? Well, I noticed what was noticed. Let me explain. The disciples and those gathered to listen to Jesus' teaching began to look around and comment about the temple grounds they were gathered in. They noticed the stonework. They admired how beautiful it was. They remarked on the decorations and the gifts that were on display. And I get it. We've all had our minds wander a bit during a sermon. We watch the light coming in through the windows. Or we consider the colors or the decorations or the banners. Or we look at the prism inside the altar on the the altar cross. I'm totally guilty of that. And we also know that where Jesus was, the temple court was gigantic and extravagant. That Herod the Great spared no cost rebuilding it in its finest. So I'm sure there is plenty to observe in that space. I also noticed what Jesus noticed. He doesn't remark on the adornment of the space at all, really just that it will all come crashing down someday. The sermon begins with him noticing people bringing their offering. He saw rich people putting in their offering, and he saw a poor widow putting in her offering. And he noticed that she put in two small coins into the treasury. Then Jesus comments that she gave more generously than the wealthy givers because she wasn't giving her extra or her leftovers, but from the money she actually had to live on. What really strikes me is the contrast set up here in this story. Those listening to Jesus notice the accomplishments of humans in engineering and extravagantly decorating the temple. Jesus noticed the humble actions of an outcast person in worship. The followers notice beauty and adornment all around them, the obvious gifts contributed to this house of God. Jesus notices the invisible generosity of one person who shared in ways that no one else could see. We see what sparkles. Jesus sees the heart. Jesus knows this woman's whole story, that she is poor, a widow, left destitute by a situation in which she had no control. He knows she gave just two small coins, the equivalent of about $2.60 today. $2.60. And Jesus sees this. 
He commends this. He says she has given more than all the wealthy folks. It's remarkable. Jesus does not condemn the wealthy for their donations. He simply praises the widow's modest gift. Jesus sees us, friends. This is good news. Jesus sees the way that we love our neighbors and our church. The ways that we share generously with strangers and friends. The ways that we support those who have fallen on hard times and find themselves in situations in which they have little to no control. Jesus sees and has understanding in all the ways in which we give and physically are an offering to God's kingdom. We are now in the midst of our annual stewardship season here at Faith. And we're asking for your intents to share out of your abundance and out of what you have to live on. This is an invitation to be part of God's work here in this congregation and in all the ways that we reach out, support, and lift up the community outside of this building. But what we want is not about extravagance and sparkle. We're asking for your humility, your generosity, and for gifts of the heart. Sharing what you have with church is not about getting personal praise or power. It's not about securing your spot in heaven. It's really about discipleship, about your relationship with God, and truly knowing and remembering that Jesus sees you right where you are, even with all the mess that's going on in our world and in our lives, we each have the ability to share for the work of God's kingdom happening right now. And for that, I am truly thankful because this cannot be thrown down or destroyed. Thank you, Holy Spirit, for your leading of this congregation. Thank you, Lord Jesus, for seeing and knowing our hearts. Thank you, O oh Father, that we can always trust in you. Amen. We hope these words will strengthen you as you live out your daily life. If you would like to know more about Faith Lutheran, leave a prayer request, or financially support our mission and ministry, please go to our website at faithfl.org. May God bless you in the days ahead.